0: Welcome back to the Wasatch Brothers Real Estate Podcast.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Wasatch Brothers Real Estate Podcast. We're glad you're here again. Uh, I'm your host, Jordan Wheeler, and co-host Darren Wilcox is here again. Again, uh, we are Wasatch Wheeler and Wasatch Wilcox, if you want to find us on Instagram or Facebook or whatever you do. And uh, we are here with my buddy, Nate Clark. Uh, he's going to be our fourth guest on the podcast today. He, uh, Me and Nate, we go back some years, you know, like five years ago. I, I, it's five or six we were working together in a call center and uh he's a great guy humble guy has a great personality and knows how to joke around and uh, i think i was just naturally attracted to him and he was attracted to me not in any match made in heaven romantic way but we we just became <laughs> came friends and uh so um we reconnected on facebook and Turns out he is in commercial real estate now. He um, graduated from Weaver State University, and then um, he, got, he got into fixing and flipping homes. He went up to Idaho with his wife, and the main reason they went up there is to uh, get a better deal on a house. The, the starting price for a fix and flip was around 180 and they were more expensive here in Ogden, Utah, so he headed up there. And gotten the fix and flip, which we'll hear more about. And then he recently just landed a deal um, with two out of state clients, uh, business clients. He signed ten-year lease on both of them, so twenty years altogether, together, um, with potential to make. I, I guess sign more deals and get more leases. And what did you say, Nate? The the potential on the revenue was up to a million dollars, yeah. or
2: yeah, you know, over the term of the the. Leases over a million dollars, potentially with more to come. But, yeah, those are the two leases we've signed in two different
1: uh, markets in Idaho. Great. So, yeah, he knows a ton about real estate, about commercial. He's in that that, uh, hemisphere. Um, So we have a top guy that knows what he's talking about. And, Nate, it's so good to be back together, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, dude, you too. It's nice to reconnect. And I got a flood of memories going through all the good times we had
1: yeah anytime sales sales career anytime we'd make a sale we'd go we'd go play ping pong those are some of my best memories playing heated ping pong battles those are fun man (laughs) so give us an update on you uh your family i mean what's going on yeah
2: so um from utah where we came from my wife's from ogden i'm from idaho so that's kind of what got us back to where we're at in Idaho now. Um, met my wife in the mission field, actually. A long story how that works. But anyways, um, we ended up moving to Ogden and go to Weber State. Um, really liked the sales degree there. and That kind of got me into the negotiations and and uh, the relationships of sales, you know, living scriptures, door-to-door solar, Um got into landscape sales, started a small landscaping company, a lot of throwing deals left and right with uh, contracts on mowing apartment complexes and and residential homes. And what I really liked was I found out I didn't love the selling of a product itself. I loved the service, uh, selling a service. And so that's kind of what got me, you know, more into commercial real estate and that focus. It's all more relationship based and I love that. And I saw a huge niche in Idaho with the housing market being a, a lot smaller. And you know, starting homes were in the 150 to 180 range, where in Auburn, we were looking at like 300,000 And as a as a family man with a new family, just the numbers didn't make a ton of sense to stay there where the pay was about the same with jobs. So found a job um that allowed me to, you know, find a home, flip on the side and, and make some more money. So kind of where it started and then you know got out of that job and saw some more interest in the increase with COVID coming up and how many people were moving to Idaho and how slow the market was and people were moving in and real estate was really booming. I saw an opportunity with a commercial real estate company um, called Ball Ventures. They do about three, over 3 million square feet of retail space um, throughout the United States. We're in about 13 different states focused on retail spaces that are grocery anchored centers, um, a grocery store, and then you, you can recruit your tenants around the grocery store with the daily traffic that the store pushes a lot of restaurants, small retail shops. But what I do for them is, is the leasing and the development side. Uh, we do have a lot of vacant land where we lease up new restaurants and retail stuff and then vacant buildings that we fill um, with clients. So love it. It's a super good challenge. Um, there's always new stuff to learn and there's always just uh, a lot of fun that comes with it. A lot of multitasking, putting out fires here and there, but, uh, in the end, it's it's commercial real estate, so it's it's who you know, not what you know.
1: Yeah, we said that so before.
0: I was actually curious because you know commercial real estate. I um, like during COVID, a bunch of places are having people work from home. I live in Lehigh, so the tech companies down here they have these huge buildings, and then for the last <clears throat> I don't know seven months or so, they've had their employees working from home, and so that aspect I thought maybe took a hit in commercial, but so your Ball Ventures focuses a lot on grocery stores, which have been just fine. They're doing phenomenally well during this time. Is that right?
2: Yeah, and, and I'll kind of give you an example. So we own a Lehigh. I'm sure you're familiar with it's a it's a Smith's anchored store uh, right off of SR 91 with Smith's and uh, a bunch of restaurant pads out front, a bank, everything. But that's our our bread and butters. Our focus is if we can get a grocery store there. Um, everyone else wants to follow those grocery stores cause they can, they can take from their traffic restaurants, retailers, yoga studios, pizza, everything there. So that's one of our, our centers we focus on. And, and it's in the, to go back to what you were saying. Um, yeah, the office, the office leasing and the office productions, you know, have been a little bit slower due to COVID. Um, those large tech companies that have huge headquarters, like down in the Silicon Slopes, aren't seeing as much of an intake, but, uh, We've actually seen quite a bit of opposite on the restaurant side of retail. You know, restaurants are really seeing niches with drive-throughs and you know more yeah. pickup curbside. So those have really picked up. People are expanding into markets where other people might not have made it because they didn't have drive-throughs where they closed down. People are expanding those markets and, and adding you know concepts where it's more user friendly for people that are concerned with COVID. So it's it's been a weird it's been a weird nine to eighteen months with with everything hmm. going on, but. It's, it's just like a of shift
0: of direction, kind of, with different aspects that are seeing a boom. So, um, okay, so I'm really curious about that. Are you guys? So, so for example, the Smiths Lehigh that you guys you guys own the building, is that right? In the area around it.
2: Yeah, so we own the whole development.
0: Okay. So, are you guys going in? Are you finding buildings that are vacant, buying them, and and then and then uh, you know attracting a grocery store? Or are you guys buying land and building the the whole commercial area, all the buildings and, and
2: stuff like that. So, so all the above, you know, we look at, you'll do any we, of it. We, yeah. We buy existing, cool. existing stores. We buy <laughs> land and, and, and we re- with the relationships we have. We can recruit those tenants that we're looking for. Um, those anchors is what we call them is the large tenants that attract the foot traffic um, grocery anchored, you know, big hobby lobby Cabela's Ross, you know, big tenants like that, are they're going to draw in the traffic. Um, so we'll, we'll do it all. It's, we're a development company and oh, start cool. from dirt and move forward. But if you, if you're obviously you're familiar with the, what's called center point um, shopping center down in SR 90, is that 92? Is that, that's, that's a street, right? That's I can't 92. remember what it, the name yeah, is. I don't
1: know. That. We're from Utah.
2: <laughs> the Tempanogos the highway is probably a better oh, way to call it. But, okay. um, but yeah, there's some vacant dirt there where we're adding, you know, additional tenants you know, large big box tenants next to Smith's and then some other restaurant tenants out on the Nogus Highway. So it's a, it's a oh, great cool. center. We have about, we have about, you know, 13 states that we operate those retail centers in along with um, our hospitality side where we do hotels and some different medical side. But it's a vast, it's a vast development company that really focuses on developing, you know, office retail and anything, anything in between that. Yeah, I saw that on your website.
0: I got on and looked around and saw that you guys do. Yeah, we've
2: been focusing a
0: lot on grocery store right now, but I've seen hospitality, like uh, it looked like some medical, smaller medical
2: facilities, and then a bunch right. of hotels and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we just, so we just, you know, one of the one of the bigger ones that you guys would be familiar with <laughs> is our our partner Ball Ventures, Alquist in Boise, Idaho, um, have started a medical urgent cares called Saucer Health. And uh saw a niche in the market for urgent cares that had, you know, focuses and they started those and Intermountain Healthcare actually just came and, and bought all those health cares from us in Boise. And, wow, that's uh, what huge. An, what, yeah, what an awesome opportunity to have a big company come in. Yeah. You know, that's really a, a breakthrough in Idaho for them. The only other Intermountain cares were in Burley, which is a really small town. So just to see Intermountain Healthcare come in and, and just. And you know, what cities are those in? So those in are all Idaho. in Boise. Uh-huh. Um, Nampa, Caldwell, Meridian, Eagle—you know—all in that Boise, what they would call the Treasure Valley on the on the west side of the state. Dude, that's really sweet. So, okay, so
0: what kind of led? Okay, so you moved from Ogden to Idaho. Did you just? Right. Are you, is your family
1: in Idaho Falls? Yeah, I, yeah.
2: So, my, so both my
1: parents. Start that. I, sorry, I I wanted I, I like hearing the beginning of how something started. So I want to go back all the way to when you were looking at houses to fix and flip in in ogden and and then we can circle back around to the commercial but when you guys were looking at the fix and flips did you move to idaho just because to do a fix and flip because you're like the housing market's better up there let's go up there or was another job did something else lead you up there or did you just always want to go to idaho and then you just have slowly grown from there
2: Yeah, good question. So I'd say pretty much everything you said is why, you know, we weighed all of our options with Ogden and and other markets in Utah. And just looking at the home prices, because we were at a point where we wanted to buy a home and build the equity and the investment that that homes do. And, you know, as a starter family that both of us, my wife was out of college, but I was still in college and our incomes were obviously limited. Um, A $300,000 home would be, you know, equate to anywhere between, a thousand to a fifteen hundred dollar mortgage, which wasn't plausible at that time of our life. So, I'm from Idaho. I'm familiar with the market a little bit. So, as I started to look there, I always felt drawn back to Idaho. Just it's a little bit more slower pace. The traffic's less. It's not growing as fast as the Salt Lake area or Ogden. It always just attracted me, attracted me. So, looked in there and saw literally the exact same houses and the exact same you know middle class neighborhoods were half the price. And so for me, it's like well, if if I can go down there, first off, it's just economical to grow a family and live. But second off, if I can find a good job that pays me decent and I can take a home like that and flip it on the side, if I can get into a home like that, fix it up, you know, we can make money on the side as well as have a full time job. So that's kind of what our goal was, is we did that, moved there, found a nice home, completely flipped it, you know, put like 30 or 40,000 into it and uh saw a huge niche. Unfortunately, COVID hit, the housing prices just as you know in Utah just skyrocketed. So now our housing prices went from a starter home at 150 to 180 to a starter home being, you know, 250 to 280 where there's
1: not yeah, so that far off though. from
0: Utah right now yeah. in some, in some yeah. spots. Right. My in-laws I'm, I'm, were
1: actually I'm, looking up there too and they couldn't find anything. So they I, right. they they wanted to go to Idaho and they just said there wasn't anything so they came to utah which is crazy right definitely housing shortage here for sure
2: population's significantly smaller
1: so when you were doing that first flip where were you guys living did you ever move into that house or were you renting what what was the yeah, situation well,
2: that was the thing i would do different we ended up moving in and we did an entire flip of that house while living in it and then we had a, <laughs> a, a child we had a child i would imagine that's a pain too. yeah it was <laughs> it was it was rough My wife was pregnant and we were living in the mess and we, we, we literally redid the entire home flooring, paint, cabinetry, um, the bathroom, everything was redone, the trim work. Uh, it was, it was a mess, so it was good though. It was a great, great me
1: me and my wife did something similar. We bought our first home and then we, I mean, it was really outdated, like seventies and we decided to knock a wall out and redo the whole kitchen and put new carpet in, but it was the same thing. We had our first kid and we had to wash all our dishes and, um, put, uh, you know, do all the baby bottles in the bathroom sink, which it didn't even have oh, a gosh. counter space. It was just this, you know, one of those like bowl. sinks. Yeah. It's on a pedestal. And then it, ha- it, and then it's a bowl and, uh, we didn't even have a bathtub either. So I mean, this, it, it was a complete mess and you're living in dust but looking back at it we got (laughs) so much equity out of that home to buy our new home that is completely worth it but i'm i'm with you nate i i would have probably done that differently too i i don't like living in a construction zone (laughs) it's not fun at all
2: yeah it was rough but hey you know what you got to do what you got to do right so are you still
0: in that house or did you sell it
2: so we're still in that house. We've stayed here, okay. and the, and the reason we we are is because of the increase of the market. Yeah. Um, if we, if we could have the opportunity to sell before the market increased, but you know we can sell a house that we bought for one hundred and sixty. You know is now selling for three hundred thousand. But you're still oh, wow. you're gonna have to go buy. A, you're, you sell you sell a house high, but then you have to go buy high. So we're uh, we're waiting to see what the market does, and hopefully. It'll either level out or, or or decline a teeny bit, but I don't think it's going to happen. We're have people literally every state that borders Idaho. People are moving in from, and I think yeah. Idaho and Utah are so similar markets yeah. with with everything that's involved. It's pretty much the same story, except for you know Utah's economy and some of the amenities they have are significantly better for than Idaho. So I think it's way more attractive to move to Utah for people that are moving out of the Tri Cities area or
1: Portland. Where and plus the, the utah jazz are the, the hottest team in the nba right now so <laughs> right i knew that i knew that had
2: to come come up at some point during the podcast right <laughs> yeah
1: so what what was the connection that you had or how did you find your way to ball ventures and decide commercial or was that always a goal i want to start residential and then go go into commercial never was a thought um
2: Honestly I'm pretty much a fly by the seat of my pants kind of person when you when and you me love those. when we when I just knew I loved the relationship side of sales that's all I knew I didn't know where I wanted to be I didn't know what to do so I dabbled in you know copy machines selling them sold those for a year and it just <laughs> it just it didn't satisfy a niche inside me you know I was meeting people but I just felt like there was too much there's too much struggle with selling a product with markup and things like that and uh when I looked at real estate I felt like you know what you see is what you get with real estate you can compare you know market prices really easy and you know usually people walk away feeling satisfied and so I looked on the Indeed and I saw an opportunity for a local property development company and I knew it was a long shot because I've never had any success on Indeed but threw a resume in and then tried to make any connections I I thought I could make to that company if I knew anyone that worked there. And luckily there was somebody that my sister went to high school with, um, that worked there. So I name dropped his name. They must've asked him about me. And at some point I at least got an interview and it was an awesome opportunity, which it's unique because my number one, my number one job I was looking for at that time was actually selling residential homes. Um, there's a, a large builder that started in Logan called L- Karchner Homes. Um, they built a lot of homes yeah. in Logan, they they branched into Idaho Idaho Falls and Rexburg, Idaho and they just were killing it. And they were looking for somebody to to sell their new homes as pretty much a real estate agent. I uh, I applied for that job when I was like, you know, sold on it. I was 100% like that's what I want to do. I want to sell brand new homes to homeowners and uh, you know, pick up, help them pick out floor plans, you know, do some of the interior work. And sell it to them it sounds awesome and so I I was doing that I applied for that and had a couple interviews and then I didn't hear from them for a month and then a month later they called me the job about the same day that Ball Ventures offered me a job and so literally I'm sitting there waiting (laughs) for probably the two best jobs I could choose and it was choosing between residential or commercial and it was a hard decision and I knew that the residential homes would continue to do well but Um, just kind of made a decision based on a few different details and uh, ended up in the commercial world. And it's been, it's been awesome since.
1: And how long have you been there? there. Yeah,
2: that's what I was going to ask. November of 2019. So just about 14, 15 months. Coming up on a year and a half. Okay. So, so what are
0: kind of your duties? You're prospecting to places to fill leases or kind of, cause I, we, I mean, I do residential real estate. That's what Jordan, I mean, I would expect, assume he's going to do a lot of that. I don't do anything with commercial, so I don't know
2: anything right. about it really. So I work really, really, really closely with brokers, um, real estate agents in the commercial industry. You know, there, there are relationships to our clients as a landlord. You can't have the relationships that they have, but what my goal is and what I do is I am. <coughs> I I negotiate, I help negotiate the entire lease, you know, we sit down, somebody shows an interest on, you know, a piece of property, Uh, we negotiate a letter of intent, which is non binding, just an opportunity to kind of negotiate deal points. And once that's done, we get a lease and then we negotiate the details of a lease. And so I'm, you know, the one that's kind of heading that negotiation with our legal department we sit down and negotiate all that. And so that's what I do. I would say, you know, that occupies 60 to 80% of my time is reviewing leases, negotiating them with tenants, discussing pricing, the details that come with, you know, opening a commercial business. Um, the rest of the time I'm, I'm working with brokers or I'm, I'm working with our relationships with restaurant owners or retail owners, um, on our various other properties throughout, throughout the
1: United States that we own. So where do you guys get your leads that are like, if you're looking for a tenant to fill, fill a building or build somewhere, are they coming to you guys? Are you guys big enough to the point where everyone knows who ball ventures is, or are you having to go out and find them on social media, call people? So what's your main way? So all
2: of our, I would say, you know, 85 to 90% of our leads come through our brokers. We have, we have a real estate broker list, every one of our properties, you know, commercial brokerages that lists that are the listing agents for us on all of our developments. So most of our deals come through them. Um, a lot of our, the rest of our deals come through our relationships we built with um, with companies that own various restaurants, that own various retail stores that are in other centers of ours. And we reach out and say, Hey, we, we have a vacancy in the Lehigh market we, we were curious if you'd be interested in opening your restaurant or your, you know, whatever
1: retail store it might be. So gotcha. those are the number two. So in the insurance world, I, I see a lot of people moving from California. Uh, we have a DMV in our insurance place. So they come in, register their vehicles and it seems like the great exodus of California is happening right now. Um, not just with, the residents moving out and finding homes, but also the big tech companies moving to, you know, the Provo area, Utah area. Is there any overflow that's happening in Idaho? Do you see a lot of companies or businesses also coming up to Idaho? And is that a market you guys are trying to tap into with the, the businesses moving out of California?
2: Um I would say yes. We see an increase in, in businesses looking to move. Uh, not from the bigger states, bigger cities. Like we see a lot of companies from Boise looking to branch into Idle Falls market since it's growing. And then a lot of people from, from Utah looking to branch in here, um, a lot of new restaurants. But uh, if you're thinking of like, you know, software companies or big things like that, you know, they they want to be close to, to those main hubs like Salt Lake. You know, they want to be close to the airport where they travel so much. With Idle Falls having such a small airport, uh, it just doesn't accommodate their travel needs as they as they would require price everything that makes just, sense. it just it's not ideal yeah and so i think as as Idaho Falls grows the airport grows there's more amenities it'll attract those larger businesses we're seeing a lot of businesses manufacturers um the price to start a manufacturing company or move your manufacturing company to Idaho the land's cheaper the taxes are cheaper um your cost of living is cheaper. Uh, you can pay your employees less. That's more ideal for, for manufacturing or or large warehouse companies. But, you know, I I just don't think Idaho has the amenities and the infrastructure to, to bring in large startups like some of the tech industry does.
0: Right. Right. Well, me and my wife, we've been wanting to go to Idaho falls. So when we go, I'll have to hit you up and find out like the good places to go. It's I, I've never been. I've
2: seen a bunch of pictures. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's an awesome place. It's, it's fun. So yeah, if you really, if you do please hit me up, I'm happy to meet with you. Yeah. I
1: I like to dive into the the mindset of people a little bit too, and get to know you personally, because each person uh, ticks a little different and is motivated by different things. But um, what do you see for yourself in the next, and this is probably like the most cliche interview question, the next five years or <laughs> even better, uh, what are some goals and what are you really striving for in the next month, two months, three months, year, whatever, whatever however you want to answer that question.
2: i would say that probably the biggest thing for the next three to five years for me would be the commercial. the commercial world is so, it's so different than any other real estate world but it's so vast and it has so many arms to it. And I just feel like, you know, cause you can go from restaurant to industrial to office to um, retail. It, it's just so in every single one of those portions of commercial are so different and markets are different and, and where those people want to be are different areas. So, you know, my focus would be is to to take that and, and really learn and, and gain a, a firm knowledge of um, the commercial industry, um, you know, what we focus on, maybe understanding more markets and things like that. And I feel like that just takes time, especially when you come in, you know, so blind to an industry that has so much that it takes. And, you know, there's yeah. so many heavy, there's so many heavy hitters in the commercial world in Idaho and Utah, you know, no, you, you don't. no one just starts up a commercial development company, right. It, it requires a lot of capital. <laughs> A lot of capital to be able to start something like that so it's, it's mostly people that have been doing it for a long time um it's easier in a smaller market like idaho because it requires less capital and your connections are, are closer but uh where, where we're seeing it now it requires companies of capital there's a large developer that we partner with a lot out of utah called woodbury and they they own a lot of different places uh, retail anchored centers throughout offices throughout idaho and utah and Uh, you see that a lot. So I would say in the next five years, it's really just gaining knowledge from people, rubbing shoulders and asking the right questions of people, diving into trainings and learning, you know, the aspects of, of commercial real estate and kind of how it's different in the various markets that we are in, you know, 13 different states. It varies and not only does it vary every state, but it it varies pretty much to every city, even in, in the same state, it's a different market. So Understanding that the tenancy you're working with and how they deal with that market, it's a, it's a lot to to grasp. But I think it's something that you know the people that are successful in the commercial industry have taken the time to understand that and and are smart enough to know that uh, you have to appeal to the tenant. You know, even though you're a landlord, you have to appeal to the tenant. How they run their business, you need to know how it's ran in specific markets, or or it's not going to appeal to them. You can't sell it to them if you don't know how the market's going right. to appeal their business.
1: Right. So I know on the real estate side, you have to get your real estate license. I'm guessing it's similar for the commercial real estate. I took my test. (laughs) Well, I took it three times. I passed the state on the second time. And then the third time I passed the general, but I also was studying while selling insurance. So I'm, I'm giving myself a break, but what was right. the test like? Was it tough for you? Did you have to take it multiple times? What what's kind of the path if someone is in residential and wants to eventually get into commercial? Is it strictly you need to know somebody or can you go interview like I, I like you did? Um, right.
2: So I'd say the, the, the largest difference is because I work for a landlord. Um, I don't, I don't have a real estate license. I don't have a commercial real estate site. That's not required. Um, I would assume, you know, with commercial real estate brokers and agents, you know, they work for a brokerage um, where there's a license required when they're, when they're brokeraging for people and okay. when they're brokeraging for a landlord or for a tenant, you know, that's where that's required. But as on the landlord side of a development company in the real estate, that's not required. Um, just as it's like a first sell by owner, right? Gotcha. Yeah, okay. to deal
0: with the contract and stuff you don't i was going to ask you that i was curious if
2: you needed one to you know review those leases but i guess you don't right and we use obviously we have in-house legal counsel before we had in-house we we used outside counsel for that but uh other than that you know that's about it when it comes to being a landlord for commercial real estate gotcha
0: What, um, so since you did, since you rely heavily on your relationships with your real estate agents, what, since we are agents, what are the agents that you guys, that you like the best? What are some attributes that they have?
2: Um, I think, uh, commercial real estate can be a little tricky just because it's different
0: if I thought, yeah.
2: It, but it, I mean, it's the same though, right? Because it's relationships, you know, you, maybe the way you go out, it's different for, for different stuff, but it's, it's still a relationship. It requires the, the key concepts that any relationship, whether it's a marriage requires, you know, the first one's being honest. The Second thing's, you know, having trust in that person, um, realizing their intentions um, you know, being able to give and take on specific stuff, not being focused hundred percent on the paycheck, you know, having the landlord in mind, but also the tenant's best interest in mind. Um, it's, it's the same thing. And the people we feel like we gravitate to and, and are successful with, you know, they're not just seeing dollar signs. They're really in it for the long run. They've built deep relationships with tenants. They've built deep relationships with, with, uh, landlords and they really have an owner's mindset, not just a deal slinger you know, middleman, mm-hmm. which it's possible to do that, but, you know, they kind of take yeah. more of an ownership mindset.
0: Dude, that's really cool. I know that I want to,
2: that's what I want to do.
0: So I've been doing it for like nine months or so. And, um, you know, you got to start out kind of just doing deals. And like, I, I always want my clients to be happy, but I think of it long-term. I don't ever want somebody right. to get into a home that they don't like. And then for some reason they aren't, you know, for some reason it comes back to me because those relationships that you're talking about that those brokers have, you said they build deep relationships with their clients, you know, that, that your business grows tenfold. You just got to give it some time. It's not a, it's not just like a quick flip, you know?
2: So that's good to hear. I think, I think the biggest difference with commercial versus um, residential would be you know, your opportunity to have return clients is pretty minimal, you know, referrals is probably huge, but the same customer, you're not going to, you're not going to sell them a house, you know, once every yeah. two or three years. Right. You know, most <laughs> people are going to be, and that might be different, but I guess you get my point, like with, with yeah. commercial, you have people opening multiple businesses as they grow, they're looking in new markets and you have commercial brokers mm. that just represent, just represent national tenants. You know, like hobby lobbies or like um wow. Ross's. You you have one tenant that looks across the entire United States um hmm. for property and, and represents Ross as a middleman to negotiate their lease to find the okay. right property. So that'd be an nice,
1: interesting I Nice got,
0: contract to have if you were that agent.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. I never thought of that aspect for commercial real estate, but it I mean I it makes either. sense. Especially if it's a, a big chain or something, you know that. They're growing super fast. Like I well, Dutch Bros. I've been looking at yeah, hey, Dutch, Dutch Bros. Bros. Yeah. I've been They're looking at, up here. Uh the quick quack car wash. Um, but I looked at their website just the other day and they don't even do franchise. They they let you become an investor or a partner. But yeah, I mean, something big like that, you know, they could open quick and you could have a lot of deals come your way. So that's I never even thought of that. But um, anyways. Um, we're about to the end of it. I know you probably got a ton of stuff to do and so do we, um, I like to ask, I like reading books and listening to podcasts and educating yourself. That's kind of why we, we want to do this podcast is one, educate people, um, second inspire people, uh, to, you know, reach for bigger goals for themselves. And then the last one is just to connect people. I think you said it earlier in the podcast. It's not what you know, but who you know, and um, we're hoping to make better connections for ourselves and and anyone that's on the podcast. But what is your go to podcast, music, uh, educational book, anything that that you find yourself uh, digging into lately or in the past?
2: The uh, first one that comes to mind is a book called the greatest salesman in the world. Um, it's a good book. Well, it it is, is a good book, huh? It's, a short yeah. and sweet cuts to the point, helps you understand, you know, the purpose of being a salesman. Uh, another one is a, bu- a book called the message to Garcia. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but oh, that's heard of that super, it, it's a message and it's short and sweet. I mean, you're talking six to 12 pages, uh, really about being an owner, you know, getting out there and getting things done without waiting on other people. And, uh, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. I'm more of a book on tape kind of person, but, um, I, uh, I get into the inspirational stuff, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the older I get, I've, I've forced myself to rely on more on inspiring myself internally versus, you know, the big Gary V stuff and different stuff like that where it's good hype don't get me wrong and he has good info but I feel like after a while I kind of just it kind of dies
1: out so it's all saying the same stuff basically (laughs) right
2: right and and you've heard it a million times right yeah so I don't know it's it's a good thing but I feel like inspiration music's a big thing for me it pumps me up it gets the blood flowing then I can dive into just some of the research that helps me understand stuff but the number one thing is people, man. That's like the number one thing. Going to lunch with people, understanding people, asking people questions, where they're at, what they're doing. I've, I've learned more from, you know, one hour lunch than I feel like I've ever learned from reading a book in my life. But not to say yeah. that books don't give that to you, but people go through way more experiences. I learned so much.
1: Great um, advice. Uh, if anybody see. wants to get in touch with you, need our listeners, or they have a deal or something going on, where is the best place? Either social media, email, phone number, whatever you're yeah. comfortable with, where can people get to you?
2: Yeah, so LinkedIn's a good one for me. We have a lot of uh, we, we have properties in Ogden, Lehigh, Saint George, Salt Lake, everything throughout the Utah market. But you can get a hold of me on my LinkedIn. I have in My email it's just Nate. Uh, it's N-A-T-E at Ballventures.com, Nate at ballventures.com. Happy to help answer any questions or do anything there, but always looking to expand our relationships, um, especially the Idaho, Utah and surrounding states market. Montana is a big one for us as well. So um, love to connect up. People have questions. want to talk about deals, uh, things like that. I'm happy to talk to them.
1: Great, man. Sweet. We've had a great hey. time today. I yeah. Thanks for coming we on. To... Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys. I'm, able, uh, I'm glad that we were able to reconnect and it's just good to see old friends and faces and um, these podcasts always seem a lot more genuine when you know the person before we've done a few, um, where you don't know them and, you know, they share great information, but it, it flows so much easier. And, um, right. you're just, a, you're a great guy. And I think the thing that just stood out to me was it's about the people. And I think that <laughs> makes a huge difference because I've been around so many people in the sales industry or any any industry that can't stand being around people and sometimes you just ask a like you that's know the what's thing. the mode yeah what's the motivation if it's just money that's great but that wears off really fast and I think it's something that all three of us have in common that that we love being around people that's part of the reason we're doing this podcast is to hear people's stories like you said you you learn more in an hour lunch than you do from a book and you know, we, we can learn a, a lot from each other in a half hour, 45 minutes from doing this. And thankfully, we have the technology to do it where we can connect with you. You're in Idaho, Darren's in Lehigh, I'm in Farmington, and we're all basically feel like in the same room. So um, right. we'd love to have you back on. We'd love to do like an update on how you're doing in the future. So just reach sure. out to us and let us know. And uh, till next time, everybody, Wasatch Brothers, check us out uh subscribe comment leave us a a review and help us grow this thing so that we can connect not only ourselves with other people but you guys too so we'll talk to you next time nate okay thanks guys appreciate it see you later okay see ya